prove to me that one teaching of the Catholic Church is true. I don't care which teaching, which doctrine it is, pick one, just pick one, and then prove it to me. If someone said that to you, which teaching of the Church would you choose? Obviously, you'd try to pick the one that was the easiest to verify. At least that's the one I would pick. So which one would it be? The existence of the Trinity? The fact that there are three divine persons in one God? I'd stay away from that one. <laughs> that one's a difficult one to demonstrate even to those with faith. Would you pick the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist? Would you try to rationally demonstrate to prove the fact that Jesus is God? Would you try to prove the existence of heaven, hell, and purgatory? Would you try to prove the reality of the resurrection? There are many, many possible choices you could make. You can find them all listed in the index of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. But to me, there is only one that qualifies as the easiest to prove, simply because there is a superabundance of evidence for it. Original sin. Easy to demonstrate. Original sin, of course, is not like the personal sins we commit every day. We need to be clear about that. Many people, even many Catholics, are not. They get confused because the terms, the word sin is in the term. Personal sins are either mortal or venial. We know that from catechism class. They are either sins of commission when we do something evil that we shouldn't do, or they are sins of omission, when we fail to do something good that God wants us to do, that we ought to do. That's personal sin. Original sin is different, qualitatively different. Original sin is, very simply, a lack of something. Specifically, it's a lack of sanctifying grace. Because of Adam and Eve's personal sin, the sin they committed in the Garden of Eden, we all come into this world without sanctifying grace in our souls. In other words, in the state of original sin. As St. Paul put it in today's second reading from Romans 5, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. And through sin, death. Sanctifying grace is the grace that makes us pleasing to God. It's the grace that we need to have in our souls in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's the grace that brings life, eternal life. Sanctifying grace, don't leave earth without it. Well, if you go to the moon for a few weeks, you can leave earth without it. I mean, don't leave this earthly life without it. This is the grace that Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose from the dead to give us. As St. Paul says here, the gift, 
is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, namely Adam, the many died, that is to say, lost sanctifying grace, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many. The many is all of us. This incredible gift of sanctifying grace, and it obviously is very precious because Jesus was willing to pour out his blood to give it to us. This grace overflows into all of us at baptism. The problem is the residual effects of original sin remain within us even after we're baptized. And for this, my brothers and sisters, there is an incredible amount of evidence. Empirical evidence. For example, go home today and pick up the daily newspaper. There's a lot of evidence there. They say, whoever they are, that most news is bad news. And unfortunately, they, whoever they may be, are right. And that bad news that we read about in the newspaper and see on the daily news on TV is almost always caused by human beings doing bad things. To me, that's crystal clear evidence of original sin. By the way, did you hear about the 18 teens from Gloucester? who made this pact to all try to get pregnant? There are 18 bits of evidence right there for original sin, its existence. Look, too, at the history of the world. You know, it's interesting. In every culture, not just in some cultures, in every culture, in every time period, Within every group of people on the planet, you find acts of violence and hatred and immorality. It's a universal phenomenon. That's more evidence of original sin. Evidence that evil isn't something that's caused by the climate. Evil isn't caused by where you live. Evil isn't directly related to how advanced or primitive your civilization is. The existence of evil in every time and in every place is a very strong indication that all human beings are wounded in their souls, in their spirits, which is precisely what the Church teaches in this doctrine. And finally, look into your own heart Honestly, what is your biggest weakness? Do you lack patience? I've been known to lack patience on occasion. Are you prone to gossip? Do you struggle with impurity? Do you struggle to be honest at times? Do you struggle with selfishness, materialism? Whatever it is, and we all have our struggles internally, all of that is evidence for the fact that you personally are affected by original sin, specifically by concupiscence, which is the pull towards sin that we all experience every day, that inclination to sin, that woundedness in our very being. 
a woundedness, an inclination that remains in us even after we receive sanctifying grace in baptism. Many years ago, a newspaper in London, England, the editors of the paper, asked some famous writers to submit articles for a series they were doing. And each of the authors was asked to answer the question, what's wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton wrote an article. His consisted of two words, I am. What's wrong with the world, Chesterton said. I am what's wrong with the world. Chesterton was a prolific writer. He was a genius. Some people were shocked that this incredibly brilliant author would write something so brief and seemingly so trite. But you know, it was very profound. Chesterton was a man who knew himself. Chesterton understood how he personally had been affected negatively by original sin. So if somebody ever challenges you to prove a doctrine of the church, definitely pick this one. Because there's evidence for it all around us. And also within us. And there's an added benefit here, and I'll close with this point. Focusing on the reality of original sin, when you're conversing with non-believers, doing that can actually be a way of evangelizing them, of bringing them to Christ. You see, if you can get people to understand and acknowledge their weakness and their inner woundedness, if you can get people to understand all of that, those people will begin to recognize the fact that they need a Savior. And once they recognize that need, their need for a Savior, you can tell them about Jesus and baptism and sanctifying grace and eternal life. And chances are they will listen to what you have to say.